0: You take an ancient dinosaur god and some toxic waste, you get a monster who stomps around and tries to eat your face. You take some kaiju media, some assholes and a mic, you get a podcast that'll make you rethink your whole life. So come watch Godzilla with Podzilla, King of the
1: Casters, with NBN and Brandon. And Jasper, who's a dog. Welcome to Podzilla, King of the Casters. I'm your host, NB Nightingale. And I'm your other host, Brandon. Our producer Jasper is currently eating food off the floor. Don't worry, he's a dog. And today we're here to talk about a modern American classic by any stretch of the imagination, Godzilla 1998. But first we'd like to take a moment to address uh, something uh, interesting. Uh, Our theme song, which at the time of our recording our first episode, we did not yet have. But by the time it was put out, we had it. So we did not get a chance to talk about it in the first episode. Uh our theme song uh, is composed by the brilliant Dahlia Hamilton, a personal friend of mine, uh and an actress up uh, and I think she did a great job on it. Uh and yeah, uh what's your opinion on the theme song?
0: It's really nice. I like it. It's um yeah, you sent it over. We gave a uh, right we gave them some directions about
1: Yeah, we told her that we wanted a real uh, an acoustic feel to it. Uh and I like what she produced. Uh it has I think it kind of sounds like an adventure time kind of vibe, uh, to it. Yeah.
0: Which I'm into. So yeah, so the song's great. And our cover art is by my friend in front of the show, Jad Jabok. And he can be reached on his Instagram. He's a 2D artist and animator, at Jad M. So Jad M Jabak, so that's J A D M J A B A K on Instagram. He does really cool stuff, and our our pick, our
1: drawing shows that. But we are not here to discuss mere mortals, Brandon. <laughs> Those bore us. What we're here to discuss is some monsters. Oh yeah. Uh, so. We just watched Godzilla 1998, which was two and a half hours, which I did not remember because, previous to watching it this time, my entire experience watching it was in chunks on Cartoon Network as a kid. (laughs) Yeah, we both
0: have similar experiences, Funnily enough. um, This movie is, like, as old as we are, basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we have pretty much... Never lived on a planet without Godzilla <laughs>
0: yeah. 1998. Yeah, so um, I remember I watched it back for the first time. must have been the later half of the 2000s when uh, everybody was doing those Netflix DVDs. That was the future. <laughs> yeah, so
1: uh, in 1998, uh, well, in Godzilla 1998, uh, in 1998, uh, Bill Clinton was impeached for a blowjob in the Oval Office. But in Godzilla 1998, uh, Matthew Broderick was impeached for a blowjob from Godzilla. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, so the plot is uh, in the first American Godzilla film, uh, with heavy input from Studio Toho, uh, who made all the other ones, uh, an iguana gets nuked and becomes. Not Godzilla, but as fans call it, Zilla.
0: Yes. They call him Zilla.
1: Zilla. Yep. And he is a, uh, He does what any large male lizard would do. Go to Madison Square Garden and take a dump of a thousand eggs in it. Exactly. As
0: you do. Oh, Yo, you know, when you're out with the boys... <laughs>
1: But, but, um, yeah, Matthew Broderick and, uh, the, uh, the French want to stop that. Uh, so they blow up Madison Square Garden and then, God, that makes Zilla very mad. And they blow Zilla up. And that is the very, very brief plot of a two and a half hour long movie
0: (laughs) oh yes it was a quite long film and um so what do you think of it well i want to say one more thing about the film synopsis and that is what we thought was an after credit
1: scene we both thought it was yeah we remembered it as an after credit scene Uh, the film ends with one of the eggs survived being blown up, and it hatches. And we had both remembered that as like, oh, that, that's after the credits. They don't end the movie on that. That's just an after credits.
0: No, they do. Yeah. They were very, we can get more into this later, but they were very confident they were going to get a sequel. Yeah. They- the egg hatches, and Rage Against the Machine starts pumping. Before We Can Be Heroes plays afterwards. Yeah. So, um, so you want to know my thoughts about Godzilla 1998? Yeah, yeah. What did you think of this film? So, um, I think we have some fairly similar opinions about this film. Where, as we were watching it, we watched this together. Um, we rented it on YouTube.com. Which, I don't know
1: if there was a glitch, but the quality was not very great. Yeah, Uh, We should preface this with the fact that the film was at its release, and still is to this day, heavily critically panned. Pretty much everyone thought this movie was dog shit. Yes.
0: So, here's my hot take, Nolan. Godzilla 1998 has, and I think this is going to stay true, the most... Interesting humans of any Godzilla movie.
1: I really like the human parts too. I. (laughs) It's out of the the bottle. The genie's out of the bottle. You gotta say. So this is the only Godzilla movie. In which every monster scene. Pretty much every monster scene. I hate it. Like Zilla just looks so bad in this movie. Which we'll get into when we talk about uh what that monster do but <laughs> producer Jasper just uh, ran into Brandon's room uh, grabbed a copy of Spaceballs, and ran out uh oh, is he going to grab the next one right, so what is with that dog why does he Why does, does he eat your sore. dvds so, no stop i like that movie He's such a film bro <laughs> we're not watching
0: howls moving castle this time He's a big bird, but he's not a kaiju. I know you're excited to be on the podcast.
1: It is the most. It, the I hate because of the effects, which we'll talk about in the "What That Monster Do" section. Uh, I did not care for any scene with Zilla, but everything else around the movie, I really liked, and I did not expect to like it. Well,
0: let me preface it with. It's almost any scene where you see Godzilla fully. Like, our one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the fisherman scene.
1: Oh, yeah. There's this great scene with a fisherman where, uh, in which he's just throwing a line out in the Hudson. A couple of the regulars in the area are making fun of him because you're not going to catch fish in the Hudson River. But he does it every day. And he catches something. And it yanks the pulled out of his hand and he sees zilla rising and then he's running and just the the friggin dock is exploding behind him it's so good
0: it looks so cool it's uh there's so many scenes there's scenes where um there's another scene that's really really cool near the beginning where it's those fishing boats yeah it's those three fishing boats and you know they're i think they're all connected by one net so they're trying to get fish and they're like Something's pulling us. Like, what's this big fish we got? And so Zilla is so big that the boats are starting to sink because he's pulling them along. Yeah. It's so
1: uh, perfection. And we can preface this with. We know the movie is not good. Yes. We, we are aware. We watched it. But, but it was so enjoyable. Yeah, here's the thing. Um,
0: and this is a different kind of enjoyability than, oh, it's so bad, it's good we've like we've talked about this a little bit it's not that like there are genuine jokes that hit really
1: good it's the same way i feel about a lot of godzilla movies in that it is a in that if i turn it's a i don't want to say turn your brain off movie cuz that sounds like such a condescending intellectual thing to say but it is a movie that is dumb and it knows it's dumb and you can have such a fun time with it.
0: Yes, it is. It's it's a gold mine with that. Like all of the human characters are so much fun and this really fun time. And I think in terms of that level of enjoyability with a movie like this the human the human characters are more fun in this than they were in Zilla 954.
1: Same,
0: yeah, so... um, I will say that in terms of what I enjoy about Godzilla movies, I think how they framed... Or how they did these human characters is the best way they could do them for this kind of movie.
1: <laughs> it is, and it is... A reversal of how I feel about most Godzilla movies in that I love everything with the humans and did not care for every time I had
0: to see Zilla. The entire thing. There are some exceptions I can get into. But yeah, I wrote uh, the fishing scene, stars next to it, cinema gold. (laughs) It was was lovely. There's, um, (laughs) yep there was never i'm walking here which we both thought was going to occur at some point yeah it seemed like such an obvious thing for a new york based movie yeah there's a lot of really fun stuff involving the humans like it's like you said it's dumb and it
1: knows it's dumb yeah so with with our initial thoughts out though it's time for uh, a favorite segment what that monster do in which brandon takes the reins uh, I contribute, but Brandon takes the reins to talk about uh, the character design of the monster and some of the special effects.
0: Yeah, so Godzilla 1998 is, I can start by talking about what sort of the 3D industry was like at that point,
1: And then I can work my way to how we arrived
0: at the design we did.
1: Yeah, which it is important to, no- to note uh, right off the bat. We talked a lot about pseudomation last time being the main yeah, use of effects during uh, the original Godzilla. or Not last week, but two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, folks, we do not record these right before they go up. These are in the can for a while <laughs> beforehand. Uh, but yeah, so this one is pretty primarily
0: CG. Yes. So I'll say in the nineteen ninety eight sphere, so this was after um Roland Embrick made Independence Day, which yeah. Independence Day was definitely had more practical effects. Yeah. Like the main creature was not CG at the time. So nineteen ninety eight was a really interesting sort of transitional period with how like effects were done in films. Because there were certain things you could do with CG and there were certain things you just really couldn't yet.
1: And this film learned a lot <laughs> about what it couldn't do.
0: Yes. So, God's, so how this was made was a strong combination of practical effects and CG effects depending on what they were doing. So they decided at the time that, oh, like, you know, we're ready to have this Godzilla be 3d for pretty much the entire move the entire movie and like it look good and it is aged the worst of anything in the movie it
1: is so bad like it I so first the character design of Zilla is uh, I I don't like the character design of Zilla just the concept of it making making Zilla a, and an iguana kind of thing, a giant iguana slash T-Rex because Jurassic Park was popular and came out a couple of years before oh,
0: yeah, uh, Jurassic Park, but um, the design, sorry, I'm going to go into the design a bit bit. We can get back to the CG yeah. part. So uh, the design of him is he very much looks like a, as you said, a giant mutated iguana with spikes on his back. But the, the interesting thing is that he does definitely look a lot more like a dinosaur. Like, he he has, you know, his spine is straight down his body. Mm -hmm. He is not upright, which has been the appearance of pretty much... The upright, sort of, bipedal, more human-like appearance has been with Godzilla since, like, the start.
1: Yeah, which, that is something I read in research for this episode, was that they want to take the humanization out of Godzilla's design a bit for Godzilla 98, which
0: so there's stuff with no um, please but <laughs> it's it's so it's a design where he looks a lot he looks a lot slimmer, a lot thinner. There's been quotes of Roland Emmerich, a Roland Emmerich simply saying that like he didn't really care about Godzilla, and he just wanted to make this kind of movie its own thing. Mm-hmm. And he stated that the principal like the character designer of Godzilla, one of the only notes they got from Roland Emmerich is was apparently Oh, he just needs to run fast. So when you look at his design, he's very le- he's very slim slim and you know, thin yeah. and sleek, so it makes sense. Yeah. And he's got this big jaw, right? You notice that? He's got this big yeah. square head. Do you want to know where that comes from?
1: Where
0: do you remember the nineteen sixties Disney movie The Jungle Book? I do. I am glad you do. Shir Khan. It's Shir Khan. So they use Shir Khan as an example of that sort of like Thanos shovel chin, shovel chin.
1: So, I, I don't like a fast moving Zilla, which I think was a large aspect of why I didn't like uh, Zilla's design because Godzilla is an imposing, slow moving thing, and the fear. Comes not from the fact that he's going to catch you so fast. The fear comes from the fact that there's nowhere you can run.
0: Yeah, because he's very large and he can just. He'll get to you eventually. But Zilla is. Hopping on top of buildings, just. uh, Yeah, he doesn't have the. Cirque de Soleil crap. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have the weight that a creature that size should. Yeah. And it's like pretty obvious about that. So, when they were designing him, they were going for that kind of look. And. You know they, they achieved it. He's sleek. He's iguana like, but it's so radically different than how you know Toho Godzilla is supposed to be. That if you didn't name the movie Godzilla and you made no references to it, there's a strong likelihood people wouldn't even make the connection. Yeah,
1: they'd get that it's a monster movie, but I, you wouldn't get the ref. You wouldn't get the frame of reference to. Godzilla, you'd think like a 1950s B movie kind of thing, and a lot of Jurassic Park, Park yeah. again. Yeah. So then,
0: um, yeah, getting back into the effects for it. So you know, 1998, they could do oh, big CG monster, I guess they tried doing it. Yeah. They could do a you know certain kind of effects like that. What they couldn't do was like
1: fish. They couldn't do yeah. They couldn't do fish. <laughs> that They're. Bugged me so much. <laughs> knew like they have cg they have a like practical effects fish robots or puppets in a lot of places in this film and it was like if it weren't for the overuse of cg in this film i would not have noticed it but it's such a weird thing to have gone practical on and i I bitched about it to Brandon while we were watching the movie and he said, oh, I can explain that later.
0: Yeah, so the reason for that was that all of the practical effects in the movie, if you've noticed, any, if there's anything practical in Zill 98, it looks really good. Yes. Like the fish looks really good. There's the scenes where, you know, the baby Zillas are hatching and they're like partially visible and stuff. It looks great. It yeah. looks so much better than the main Zilla. When there's shots of and you called it out and I was like, Yeah, I want to say now you're right. Whenever there's shots of towards the end of the movie, when there's the second like bait of fish and there's a zoom in of Godzilla's like just eyeball in his you know, yeah. surrounding area, that was an animatronic. And it's one of the best looking things for him in the movie.
1: It is entirely.
0: So any moment where they chose cause originally it was gonna be a good amount more animatronic focus. But then they realized, like, oh, we can just kind of do these CG things instead, and it'd be a little easier. And so they had these complete sort of animatronics built for these you know, monsters, yeah. and they did not use them nearly as much as they should have. There was like 400... I have a number somewhere. There was like 400 uh, you know, effect shots in the film, and only like 30 were practical effects. But each time, they're so good. So the fish were one of the leftovers of when they were doing the practical effects. Yeah. So that leads me into an interesting question, though, Nolan. Um, I guess I'll finish about Zilla himself. So there is a moment where, you brought this up,
1: Zilla breathes fire, fire in the movie. In the movie. Yeah. yeah, but it's not like a... It's not the atomic breath, which is not fire. It's concentrated radiation. It is, like, it's like a blowtorch where you see, like, a mirage of, like, gas coming that then ignites. And that happens, like, twice in the film.
0: Yes. So, originally, they weren't even going to have the fire. Originally in the movie, I think um, someone in the production was stating that he was just going to just, like, blow, like, a windstorm. Which is so lame!
1: <laughs> i don't know i think i would have preferred that other
0: than fire
1: uh the fire raised too many questions for me because it just didn't make sense what was igniting it unless zilla has like a a rock of flint just lodged in their throat somewhere it didn't make much sense to me because of the fact that we see it come out first as like a gas Mm -hmm.
0: but i think it was a late change, yeah. is what I'll say. Is It was after some fan backlash, after seeing that, yeah. they tweaked it. I think they did not have much time to fix it. <laughs> so they just like, ah, the fire effect. And that was about all they w- did with it.
1: That makes sense. Just Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. <laughs> so
0: we can get into, because we don't want to focus on Zill a good amount, but then we can get into more about like yeah. some of the production things. So the interesting thing is, you brought this up earlier. In this movie, Zilla has pretty
1: much no anthropomorphic uh, qualities. Uh, Which is why it's called Zilla by the fans, for the record. Because Godzilla is not just a mindless animal, as Zilla is portrayed. Like, Godzilla has a human intelligence if not more is the all has always been the assumed thing about him uh, but zilla the entire movie is just a mutated animal on a completely normal migrations uh, migration cycle mm.
0: yeah they made sure that he's he's just not a he's an
1: animal yeah. he, he's not good he's not bad he's just an animal walking around they they even outright matthew broderick has a line about that at one point out where he's where he just says you're thinking about this as if he's trying to hide from you and trick you he's an animal he doesn't think like that and it's i get why they put that line in there to differentiate I did not like the line because I want a smart Godzilla. Yeah, there's a quote from uh, from someone on
0: the production who stated that we were creating an animal. We weren't creating a monster. And I think that adds a good amount of problems to it. Create a monster, please. Yeah, we, we like monsters. Monster. <laughs> we want a monster. So it's, it's a disappointing thing because, as I was saying earlier, if... If this was like a more traditional Godzilla monster with the same human stuff going on S-tier. it would have been so
1: good. <laughs> like, yeah, I I really agree that I think this movie was a couple of bad decisions away from being an actually really good movie. <laughs> in terms of like, you know, what you're looking for in this kind of film. Where... No, I just think like legitimately Two or three cho- huge choices they made make it bring it down to this dumb but fun level for us. I think it would have just been legitimately a good movie if it made the right choice two or three times.
0: I guess that answers the question I, written it, I wrote in where, like, if Zilla was better, would this like would this be a great movie? Like, yeah, it re- release the a new cut of the movie and just change everything about Zilla. And boom. Classic. I think we have like a... This is is definitely a nuclear
1: hot take. I don't think anybody else has ever said
0: this.
1: (laughs) This is a... Not a take I expected to have before sitting down and watching this film. I mean, we kind of built the first... Throughout the first two episodes of this podcast... A joke where we were sarcastically calling the movie excellent but it was clearly sarcastic but now we actually really like the movie and we're not sure what to do with that <laughs> we've ruined our bit so early
0: <laughs> it's it's insane it's so wild that it's, it's it's good so so you said this is a two and a half hour movie yeah right what did you feel about the pacing of this movie
1: I think the pacing was actually great. It didn't feel like it did it. It did not not feel like a two and a half hour movie. Like, we had to stop a couple of times, but that was not because we were getting exhausted with the movie. That was because our producer Jasper uh, needs to poop sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah. It did not feel its runtime at all. If if I watched it without knowing the runtime and someone said, yeah, that was like... An hour forty five. I would believe them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is wild. <laughs> this is, I, Godzilla ninety eight. Pretty good movie. Yeah. So, um, you brought up before the podcast about why wow, there's a lot of Simpson actors in this movie. Yeah, they-
1: yeah, there are a lot. So, one of the four main characters is played by Hank Azaria. <laughs> Uh, a minor antagonist is played by Harry Shearer, and there's a cameo by Nancy Cartwright. All of whom ha- are, well, Harry Shearer and Hank Azaria are, car- voice like a bunch of the townspeople, uh, in The Simpsons, and Nancy Cartwright primarily voices Bart Simpson and some of the other schoolchildren.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you're on the money with it, Godzilla, nineteen ninety eight. Has more Simpsons actors in it than any other project, like any other media besides Simpsons itself. Is <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest one. So, so
1: that is. Was well, that an intentional choice? But did it say anything about that being an intentional choice by Roland Emmerich? I think it said he was a big Simpsons fan. So, I, I mean, there we go. Do you have any other monster design things, or should we go on to talk? We're kind of transitioning right now into talking about the movie proper, but
0: yeah. So the last thing I would say about the design for Godzilla was it was a hard time getting. So when they agreed with, you know, it was made by TriStar Pictures, that was the studio that made it, and they had to make an agreement with Toho, and when they got the rights to get the rights to Godzilla they had at least a like it sort of varies i think it's sort of maybe it's gone longer with legend about how long the list of things they had to do with him was yeah but they disregarded a good amount of it because one of the most important ones was Godzilla doesn't kill people Godzilla has a body count in this movie
1: yeah it's he ki- he directly kills but off screen an entire fishing boat except for one person uh in japan where he originates uh even though he's a mutant iguana which are from the galapagos islands but okay uh and uh and then uh then we but on screen we very directly see Godzilla just kill a dude in a helicopter who there's a prolonged chase sequence of the dude in the helicopter trying to get away from Zilla and just being like, I'm not gonna make it, and like having this emotional thing. Then he thinks he's free and he's like, oh. And then Walt oh, chomped from the bottom. Mm. I put
0: yeah. too many visual ooh, jokes ooh. into this. Yeah, so I have a last quote from Emmerich himself. So he decided when to so an old script written for this movie before Emmerich came in to direct. And he said he didn't like it because there was two monsters fighting at the end.
1: Oh, no! no, (laughs) I'm so sorry. Yeah, so the original script, I looked into this. The original idea was going to be for it to be a Moby Dick kind of thing. In which it was going to be the classic Godzilla who has been reigning in horror over the world for generations. And then a... a woman whose husband was collateral damage to a, to a Godzilla attack is the Ahab trying to track him down and kill him which is such an obvious concept that I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet in
0: well any as way. as far as we're aware as far as we're aware we haven't gotten into much of the the Netflix animated things or yeah. the series or any of those things yeah. who knows but um yes yeah, so Unfortunately, that's something. But um, the quote was that Emmerich stated that, I didn't want to make the original Godzilla. I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted to make my own. We took part of the original movie's basic storyline. And that the creature becomes created by radiation and it all becomes a big challenge. But that's all we took. Then we asked ourselves what we do today with a monster movie in a story like that. We forgot everything about the original Godzilla
1: right there. So... You can't see this because it's a podcast, but I feel like my face is showing a lot of dissatisfaction with that quote. After I just went out on a huge limb and said, oh my god, I think I love this movie, to then find out that Roland Emmerich was really shitty about making this movie... (laughs)
0: Extra layers. Like,
1: I hate being one of those... It's disrespectful to the fans, people. I think those people are kind of annoying, especially in other properties. Like, uh, when Marvel and DC and Star Wars fans are talking about changes to the comic books or whatever. But... Oh, oh my God. Dude. Oh, my... Am I a Zill... Well, I know I'm a Godzilla stan. That's been... (laughs) But... Am I Would I have been like a the last Jedi guy if the last Jedi were a Godzilla movie?
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's a hard thing. I mean, the question is, if you were if you were big Godzilla fans when this came out in nineteen ninety eight, I think we probably would have gone with the wave of oh everybody else is talking bad about it. But this movie has been so far separated from that now, yeah. in terms of how old it is. Like, nope. We're like I think we probably will know people talking about Godzilla in 1998 in about three years <laughs> yeah uh,
1: the only major talk about that movie I know of is the Doug Walker review
0: <laughs> he remembers it so you don't have to God. by the way um, an important an important uh, time time in Godzilla 1998 is <clears throat> At forty-three minutes and seven seconds into Godzilla, nineteen ninety-eight, um, the
1: titular main character says, "Well, not like, titular." Matthew Broderick's name in the movie is not Godzilla. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matthew
1: Broderick. It's like n- it's Godzilla. like Nico Zootopolis or something. It, something it's something really great. Zootopolis. He says that like four times
0: in the movie. Or, um, it's
1: like Tatopolis it looks like Teutopolis, but it's apparently pronounced like Zatopolis. I wrote it in
0: somewhere, but I can't
1: It's very Greek, and my... It's Zootopolis. Zootopolis. Is. Is. So I have um, a very close friend who is, who is Greek-American. She is going to be so mad when she hears this segment. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Emily.
0: It's 43 minutes and 7 seconds in. He says, and I quote, the titular line... That's a lot of fish.
1: I don't think you know what titular means. It's a cool name. It's I can just sprinkle it in anywhere, right? Titular just means the title. Yeah. <laughs> so like.
0: That's a lot of fish.
1: Tom Tutular. Hanks plays the titular Forest Gump because Forrest Gump is the title of the movie, and that's also the name of the Did you just think titular means like the important? You did, oh my god, you did You totally did <laughs> He looks mortified right now, folks <laughs> Is is this better
0: or worse than the brunch comment?
1: <laughs> what was the brunch comment again? So.
0: We're just going through the line of new things I learned recently Now I know that titular it There's title pretty much in it, oh my god so this is one of those moments where because of how my brain works sometimes I just go, "Oh, I guess that's how that word means," but I don't I never look into it. I never look into it. So an important part of that, an important example was we grew up in a rural bumblefuck nowhere
1: place. We did. In, in fact. like very rural. A lot of our wonderful fans are from that place. Uh, yeah we love you, Lisbon. We swear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you know, it's, it's a rural place. Um, so I did not hear the term brunch very often. I heard breakfast, dinner, lunch, never heard brunch in my life. Pretty much. I go to college and I go, Whoa, they got like brunch at my college. Like, cafeteria sick i guess that's just between breakfast and, l- and lunch like it's that in between like it's a it's a different kind of breakfast thing you do it later awesome awesome great so about four years go by of knowing that word and i'm just sitting with my girlfriend one day and then she goes yeah we like let's have brunch tomorrow and because we're gonna wake up late and i go i go oh yeah brunch and she goes yeah yeah brunch like the And I'm like, what, what time is that? She goes, you know, between breakfast and lunch, brunch, breakfast, lunch, brunch. And I look at her like some light had just gone off in my head. (laughs) (laughs) And I just go, wait, wait a second. Brunch is not a word in its own right. You just put (laughs) breakfast and lunch together. (laughs) So, at about 22 years old, I learned what the word brunch meant, and now at 23, I'm learning what the word titular means.
1: Let's talk about the actual movie, folks. We are so anyways, Thirty-eight um, minutes into this episode, into this recording session. I don't know how long into the episode it'll be. There was some stuff with the dog that's gonna get cut in the middle, but let's let's talk about the movie. Yeah. So as we said, we both really like this movie. I'm gonna give some background for it. Uh, so. Roland Emmerich at this point is flying high off of the success of Independence Day, which was one of the biggest movies of all time, launched the career of the biggest movie star of all time, Will Smith, and was not that critically loved, but by audiences was adored. But again, was not that critically loved, which will be important when we discuss something later on.
0: A loving tribute, if
1: you would. (laughs) uh so, but he decides to make this Godzilla movie that has been kind of been been shopped around in different forms for a while, and he and his uh, his constant co writer on his scripts, Dean Devlin, they take on the the project and make the glorious movie we watched.
0: Mm. Yes,
1: but Roland Emmerich is. An interesting guy in Hollywood because he's extremely French, uh, but makes almost exclusively uh, movies that are extremely pro-American. This is the only film I've ever seen of his where the French thing makes a lot of sense. Uh,
0: oh yeah, given the titular, oh, my god, oh my god, no,
1: <laughs> given, given the <laughs> significant. <laughs> Exactly. given the fact that the second build uh main character the second build of the gr- of the cast and second or third most important character is played by Jean Renault as a member of a french secret service group that is trying to destroy all evidence of god of zilla because they made him
0: yeah the it. french you know the french the the strongest purveyors of nuclear arsenals created godzilla
1: yes famous for their nuclear overreach the french may accidentally created a nuclear monster that then wreaked havoc on america that has never done anything wrong with atomic weapons ever nothing
0: it's like that arrested development thing i've never done anything wrong in my life, and then Godzilla 1998 goes. I know, and I love you for it. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, it's Parks and Rec. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: But it it so this film is that's kind of a weird aspect of this film, how it wants to talk about nukes and nuclear testing and nuclear power in general, but never and takes place in America, but never once references. How those two things might intersect. America's just the poor victim in in this, oh, no. but you know, the French are the French messed up and made Zilla, and the movie opens in Chernobyl and and you know, uh, three mile island. Who? What? I I haven't heard of that. What? Oh, two two cities in Japan. What? Well, those, those probably just a. Uh, Ghost Towns probably
0: just ran out. What? Yeah, i'm about it. So the thing was that um it was really interesting about the nuclear weapons and how that relates to I guess this brings it back to Godzilla as a as this character, Zilla in this movie. He gets killed by just a few torpedoes or like a few missiles. Oh he goes out like a bitch. Yeah, so it's the interesting thing where compared to, you know, the previous Godzilla movie we see seen, nineteen fifty four. Godzilla does die in that movie from a incredibly experimental new kind of weaponry. That
1: the oxygen destroyer. (laughs) Yeah. A thing that does not just go boom, it destroys oxygen.
0: Yeah, it's aggressive. So I think that could be some kind of connection with it. And that in this one, it's like, oh, no, like. You know, oh Zilla is just an animal, and oh we us Americans we can still take it out, kaboom, kaboom.
1: Another important thing is uh, the Roland Emmerich. Uh, I'm not the first person to observe this, is heavily inspired by Steven Spielberg, and that is on display a lot. Just in his general cinematic language is very based on the kind of bits that Spielberg would do in his movies, like an extended bit where the, uh, where Harry Shearer's character is being an asshole to his secretary. And she's just in awe as Zilla passes behind them. And he's completely unaware. He looks, nothing's there, looks back, the tail waves behind him, which is a very Spielberg bit. And I saw two major Spielberg films Inspiring a lot of this movie. The... uh, He did kind of on steroids versions of two famous parts of Jaws in this. One, both of which we've already just talked about. Uh, The dock scene that we loved in Jaws. There's a famous fishing dock scene in which what happens is the, uh, the entire dock gets... Pulled out to sea by the shark, uh, and this is the reverse in that Godzilla comes towards the uh, the dock and destroys it, uh, and then the uh, like the last half of Jaws is mostly them throwing large buoys to try and make it so Jaws can't swim off, and it not working because Jaws is so strong he just swims and pulls the buoys under. And we got an on steroids version of that with the fishing boats.
0: As a third one, there is a moment where Matthew Broderick, it's a, what's it called? A zoom dolly?
1: Oh yeah, he does. There's like, I forget the moment in it, but he gets the, the shot on the beach in Jaws where Roy Scheider's uh, sitting in his beach chair and then a young boy's getting attacked on the beach and it just zoom dollies in on him. They do that exact shot at a point on Broderick in the movie.
0: It's in the I think it's in the climax when Zilla's coming back after them. But I will say so a zoom dolly basically is it's a really disorienting sort of uh you know thing to do with a camera where the you know the main the actor is getting closer to the camera but the background is all is getting farther from the camera. So it shows like disorientation.
1: Yeah. Uh so yeah, that's the uh, Jaws influence and then, obviously, because we've talked about it a couple of times. Close
0: ago. Encounters of the Third Kind,
1: <laughs> Munich, actually. <laughs> no, it's Jurassic Park, folks. The, uh, Zilla looks like the T-Rex, and then the, the mini Zillas in Madison Square Garden all look and act exactly like the Velociraptors. Uh... And so that is a heavy influence on this film very clearly and I'd guess a large uh, reason this film got greenlit uh, would be how popular Jurassic Park was speaking of Brandon is Jurassic Park a kaiju movie?
0: that's an interesting question Um, so I think overall Kaiju movie can be pretty broadly interpreted as monster like a monster movie but big it monster. that's the different that's the big difference is it has to be a big monster it can't be like little ones or anything like that it has to be a large creature that has a significant impact on the plot
1: yeah and like large large like I wouldn't even consider the t-rex a Kaiju it's not big enough it's like it's like two stories tall, but it's not like, it's yeah. like the size of an elephant. It's not an otherworldly huge. The Brontosaurus, I would count it, which might be why Jurassic Park doesn't count as a kaiju movie, because the Brontosaurus is only in a scene of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things we determined was even if we consider a, th- a monster in a film to be a kaiju, unless it is the main conflict of the film, it does not count as a kaiju movie.
0: And that sort of will save us from dealing with some kind of movie where, you know, oh, it's a giant, there's a giant thing right at the end. It's
1: entirely there so we don't have to watch Monsters vs. Aliens. <laughs> 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 it's called the the the
0: Monsters vs. Aliens defense. <laughs> so it is the only one that is. We we made that policy just to get out of that one. So um, but- I have I have a movie, oh. and I'm wondering if you think it's a Kaiju movie because okay. I think it pretty it pretty good it flies me. pretty good. So um Nolan, do you remember a film that came out and I believe it was the early 2010s starring Jack Black called Gulliver's Gulliver's Travels? Is Gulliver's Travels a Kaiju movie?
1: No, no. instantly not. How? Because. It's not one giant person uh, uh, attacking a bunch of normal-sized people. It's a normal-sized person, in fact, a little short. Jack Black's like my height. Uh, being besie- besieging himself upon a bunch of very tiny people.
0: But isn't that the scale you could see if you were watching any kind of kaiju movie?
1: <laughs> okay, but that's I- if, we're go- that if, we're, if we're going to think that way, then Osmosis Jones counts as a kaiju movie. <laughs> Because all those tiny germs who are the (laughs) central characters are inside of Bill Murray, who is giant to them.
0: Yes, but Bill Murray never has, never like squashes any of them. It's that sort of size difference, I think, is an important aspect. Is even if it's like in Honey, let's say, Honey, I shrunk the kids.
1: Honey I shrunk the kids is not a kaiju movie. Honey I blew up the kids. I would be willing to accept this a kaiju movie. What a great title. <laughs> it, why is it even called Honey I blew up the kids? Only one kid gets blown up. It's a toddler and he besieges himself upon Las Vegas. <laughs> I
0: love blue. I, I I just want to take that as a little snippet to post um, later is there's only one kid that blows up. <laughs> <There's only one. laughs> will <laughs> be useful later uh, <laughs> so uh, okay okay, I can see that but I think it's that scale difference that matters so anyways um, yeah, there's a we can get from this is there's a wide variety of kaiju movies I think a distinguishing factor though could probably be that it, whether it's a real thing or not maybe is Moby Dick a kaiju movie if
1: there's whales are it, it's normal size Moby Dick is normal size for a whale so i don't think so Yeah but uh no but like i think they have like to Moby be Dick. big in relationship to what their normal size would be
0: Yeah so cuz that would disqualify King Kong if he if he you know yeah. in that case yeah. if he if it would just be a regular animal cuz you can distinguish King Kong as some kind of ape He's like some kind in there
1: king kong's a little more intelligent. That's a debate for when we do a kongathon. Oh yeah. But so yeah, um kaiju politics aside, <laughs> which you know, whatever we consider a kaiju movie, you'll be able to figure out because we'll do an episode on it. Uh but uh yeah.
0: um, don't worry, it'll eventually just tear this podcast apart and then we'll have kaiju purists and kaiju liberals and then it'll just be a whole big war thing. Don't worry, that's on episode... Kaiju
1: anarchy and kaiju purism. will it. Be... Yeah, but uh, so...
0: A Podzilla, King of the Castors, Civil War, coming in episode 156.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I, I want to return... I feel like because I left this for later, now it's kind of built it up, uh, the critical reception of Roland Emmerich uh, to the point where this is going to be a bit anticlimactic. But uh, so among the detractors of Roland Emmerich's filmography... Uh, were two gentlemen known as Siskel and Ebert, uh, famous film reviewers who... You know who Siskel and Ebert are. I don't have to explain them like this. Uh, But yeah, Siskel and Ebert were famously not fans of them. So when Roland Emmerich was making this movie, he, uh, he made the mayor of New York a squat man... With white hair and a pair of glasses, named Mayor Ebert, and his fumbling assistant, uh, named Jean, who was a tall, skinny man, uh, who was balding, uh, which quite subtle. You should know are exactly what Siskel and Ebert look like. Jean <laughs> yeah. Siskel is Siskel's full name, so it they were clearly a critique on Siskel and Ebert, uh, in. Trying to be like, ha! You're the bet. Ba- oh, also the mayor of New York is another Jaws relationship because that's definitely the mayor of Amityville. But, uh, ha! You're just an evil mayor and his fumbling assistant Siskel and Ebert. Which I didn't get the I didn't get the fumbling assistant thing for Siskel because Gene Siskel was not like Roger Ebert's underling. They were equals on that show. Ebert's only the more famous one. Because he lived longer. Gene Siskel died in the late 90s. Speaking of that, we should probably check when Gene Siskel died in relationship to this movie. Let's take a look. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you look that up while I keep talking about this. But yeah, Ebert lived like two decades longer. And that's why Ebert is the the more famous one. Because he was able to stay contemporary. But yeah. I actually think Siskel's the better film reviewer, but uh, that's beside the point. But the thing is, we both loved Siskel and Ebert. Uh, I mean, I love them as reviewers, but we love their characters in this movie.
0: They're really fun. Um, they would. It was the thing where what became, I guess what the point was to be this, like, ha ha ha, take him down a peg. But we end up really endearing ourselves to these two... These two men in a position of power just trying to hold it together.
1: (laughs) They just, they had like, they had an odd, they had an odd couple kind of chemistry to each other.
0: Yeah, they had a great chemistry. So, um, Siskel, so Godzilla came out in uh, mid-1998. And Gene Siskel passed away in February of 1999. Do you think he saw it? He had to have. Because I think um, Ebert quoted something about when he made it. I think one of them quoted something as saying, Wow, you didn't go far enough. You should have had us killed by the monster
1: which oh, is yeah, so base. I forgot. They loved they loved the <laughs> fact that they were in this movie and were being made fun of. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that part of it. <laughs> yeah. I have a couple of other not that uh, important thoughts about the movie, uh, which we could go into if you want it.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, so... Women find Matthew Broderick really hot in this movie. That's the one thing... That I had to get this off my chest before we before we ended discussion of this film. Because it was such a weird aspect of this. Because Matthew Broderick, don't get me wrong, he's a handsome man, obviously. He's a leading man in Hollywood and was a teen heartthrob. Of course he's going to be a handsome man. But he's not... He's not, like, as handsome as this movie treats him. He's not... Oh my God! I noticed you, and I I have to stop talking. Basking in your beauty, handsome. He's just like a. He's like a your, your dad who was probably hot in high school, but now he like, he's just a good dad. That's his level of attractiveness. <laughs> oh my God.
0: Yeah. So um, yes. Yeah, so after all this big discussion about the large aspects and our extremely hot take, you just. Yeah, he, yeah, he's definitely seen as hot in this movie. And um, I would say it was beauty that killed the beast. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a thing, here's a little side thing. Um, I didn't even write this down, but I remember when I was reading uh, Godzilla 1998's Wikipedia page. Lots of good stuff in there. It was brought up, and this is really funny after you said that. Um, he was attached to the movie before the script was finished. It wasn't like they were going to have Tom Cruise there and they had him put in instead. They wrote that with him
1: in mind. Which means that they... Dean Devlin, the scriptwriter, must have found Broderick just ha-cha-cha. Well,
0: yeah. Well, maybe he guess like, I don't know, he's got things women-like? Just, yeah. <laughs> he's got that dad bod.
1: So the thing is, Roland Emmerich is very famously a gay man. He is the most successful gay ma- gay director in all probably actually the most successful gay man period in all of Hollywood.
0: Okay, that I just I'm just learning that now. So
1: that's great. Good for him. I guess we're learning his type is Matthew Broderick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Broderick, we got to get attached to this project. And imagine all of those things about wow, I just got to wait a minute to bask in your glory. It's all there and Matthew Broderick is just... No, imagine this. So Matthew Broderick is just going onto the set, and he's like, why am I the only one who has to have the wet t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> You'll be a star, Broderick.
1: <laughs> Do you have any more thoughts you want to share about the story of uh, Godzilla 1999?
0: I mean, only than the next... Other than, like, the next five minutes of finding various concepts to make with that... <laughs> um...
1: That's about it. <laughs> okay, so we're trying something new because we are cool enough to get fan mail now. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> I told you I'd make it. I, that is entirely a joke. My mother is very supportive, and she listens to this podcast, and I don't want to get shit from her for just be, for just trash-talking. So, Mom, I know you support me. Thank you. We love Nolan's
0: mom. We love her. But... Uh,
1: but yeah, so here is a, uh, which Brandon has not yet seen this question. This was a qu- email sent in to us from uh, Dahlia Hamilton, who we've talked about as our theme songwriter. She sent me the, uh, the t- a text saying, Is Godzilla gay? And discuss. Uh, so my thoughts, well, Brandon collects his, are that Canonically, Godzilla has a girlfriend, uh, Mothra, Queen of the Monsters, uh, and is in a supportive uh, heterosexual relationship. That being said, the modern movies use a lot of bi-lighting on him. They just, uh, for those who don't know, bi-lighting is a visual language uh, in film to indicate bisexuality in which neon pinks and blues are projected onto a character. And the modern movies do that with Godzilla a lot. So I'm taking that as it, maybe not our Japanese Godzilla, but Thickzilla, as we call the chonky boy from from America. Uh, canonically, I'm going to say he's bi. <laughs> That's a tough one. Because the thing, I think
0: I could possibly, I could confidently say that I think you made a good point that modern Godzilla is a proud bisexual male who is. <laughs> he is a proud bisexual monster that can separate, you know. What's good about modern Godzilla is he can separate his sexuality from the fights. Like he doesn't, you know, he'll go out there and wrestle every day. He doesn't see them as a romantic partner. And that's what's important because he is in a loving relationship with Mothra. And it's strictly business when he has to nearly tongue-kiss Kong. <laughs> so, I will say modern Godzilla, probably. I could see it. I think Godzilla 1998 is... Zilla's asexual.
1: Yeah. Zilla is asexual, asexually reproduced, which I don't think Roland Emmerich understands what asexual reproduction is because you don't lay like eggs, uh, but...
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, he's only. He was only.
1: The movie was very clearly setting up like a larger female Godzilla would show up, and they just didn't. So instead, we got a weird understanding of how asexual reproduction works.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Back when I first watched this movie. So in the movie, it's around. I would say, what, 60% through? It's like you think Godzilla's dead. You think Zilla's dead, the big one. And then after the babies are exploded, then a second one, then they come back through the rubble.
1: Yeah, and it's supposed to be the same one, but for some reason, I remembered it as being a second
0: one. Me too! I thought the same thing. I was like, there's another one?
1: Yeah, like, when I was, like, my memory of this movie from being a kid was that, It was the smaller male Godzilla and then the finale was with a large female Zilla. But apparently, no, I was entirely wrong. It is asexual reproduction by egg-laying, how that works.
0: Yeah, so I'd say 1998 Zilla is asexual because he's the only one of his kind and he's the only monster in the whole thing. And it's even said that Zilla is the only... Godzilla 1998 is the only full reboot of the series from scratch in a way that there's been no other... In the universe of Godzilla 1998, nobody knows what this thing is. It's the first one. Even like, you know, 2014, it's like, oh, we've seen this thing kind of thing. So I think 98 zilla asexual. Doesn't care. Just wants to lay some eggs and, I don't know, eat fish. Mm -hmm. And then I would say... We have let, we have yet to figure out vintage Zilla because we do know he has a kid at some point, And I wonder if there is any explanation as to how that happened.
1: Son of Godzilla is on the docket to be pretty soon in our uh, review cycle. So we will, uh, we'll figure that out soon. <laughs>
0: yes. I will say it would be incredibly iconic if the vintage Zilla was just full on gay. <laughs> it's not gonna happen but if there's no implication of it being of anything else we'll just go with that (laughs) i'm joking he's he's very coded um you know i'm guessing Mothra's the girlfriend but i don't know where the baby zilla comes from anyways
1: yeah that'll be interesting but uh so with that said i think we can put a wrap on this episode uh Join us next week when we will be talking about uh, re- no, join us two weeks
0: join us next time
1: join us next time
0: when we'll be talking about Godzilla Raids, raids Again! again.
1: Woo! No,
0: the sequel to Godzilla 1954. So congratulations, you've made it to the end. So, I'd just like to say you can contact us at our, If you want to ask us questions, uh, send an email to us at kingofthecasters at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify, RSS.com, and hopefully Google and Apple Podcasts very soon.
1: We're hoping by the time this episode goes up, that will be true. Yes. It might not be, though. <laughs>
0: <What>? <laughs> it may be or it won't. We're trying to cover our
1: bases because... You won't hear this for a few weeks. (laughs) Uh, At Podzilla C is our Twitter handle. And uh, I'm a lurker on the Godzilla subreddit. So if you have any questions for us that way. Send us some questions. Harass us about what movie we're going to watch next. And we'll
0: see you next time.